live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods, moving, and storage studio. It's the Ramsey Show, where America hangs out to have a conversation about your life, your work, your relationships, and your money. What is up? I'm John Deloney, joined here by Ken Coleman, and we're taking your calls on everything. 888-825-5225. Let's go out to Mary in Providence, Rhode Island. What's up, Mary? Hi, I'm John. It's so nice to be on with you all. Um, I I guess my question it's it's both career wise, but I guess it would be on your end of the spectrum too of like emotional wise. Is I'm 33 years old and I just can't seem to find a career, and I feel very directionless. And I'm trying to just get some advice. I feel like I've always been the type that like when I was younger, I would you know like I had a plan, I had a direction, and then I graduated, and then now I'm like. I'm looking it's 10 years since I graduated and I still don't feel like I have a career path. So I don't, I'm just looking for some direction with that. What was your direction when you were younger? Uh, I, well, I originally wanted to be a journalist. Why? Um, that was like my first major because I wanted to like help people. I wanted to write stories that brought light to issues that people had and like, you know, help motivate other people to come to action. Interesting. What changed? Um, I had my first internship in journalism, and I realized I was like, "This, this profession will kill me." I knew I wanted to have a family. <laughs> I was like, "It's not sustainable," and I don't want to always be traveling and leaving my family and having crazy hours. So it was just kind of like defeating. <laughs> okay, this is where we got to go back to the story. So I already put you on rewind. Now we want to press pause. You cool with this? Yeah. All right. So this happens to a lot of people. You you have a pretty clear. Uh, you can't define it or articulate it, but you have a clear direction. You go, and it's not what you expected, or parts of it were what you expected, and then the schedule and the grueling hours and the travel and the not glamorous pay, because journalism doesn't pay much at all. It's awful. And all of that crashed into your heart. The reality crashed into your heart, and you were left defeated was the word you used, and it's the right word. And so because you were defeated, you then became confused. And since that day, yeah, and since that day, you've been like that tumbleweed in those Western movies, you know, that just kind of blows around before a a penultimate scene, a a shootout. And it's just like you're letting the wind blow you back and forth. And so here, so honestly, like that's in a nutshell, that's pretty much my, that's been my professional career for the last 10 years. I know, I know, and I got great news for you. The answer for direction and clarity is to go back to where we are right now. So let's go back to the answer you gave about what you loved about journalism or what you thought was going to be great about it. And it was, uh, I'm going to repeat to the best of my memory, but you go there with me. It was storytelling, using words, research, investigating, advocating for the general public. Information is good and I can... Take information that you need to know, and I can use it for your good to protect you, to inform you. Does that sound about right? That's what really got you fired up about it. Yeah, I think mostly, too, just the helping of people. That's the one thing that I I feel like that's, even though I've been like a tumbleweed, as you said, through my career, I love to help people. That's the thing that really brings me joy. Okay, great. So, with that in mind, there was the storytelling and the informing, the advocating. You agree with that part as I described it that way? 
at the time, but now I don't feel like I'm really into that anymore. Okay, great. All right, then let's shift. So, yeah. so, so, so this is fine. So right now, I want you to describe the people you would most love to help. Forget the job description. Forget where you're doing it. Um, I pay you the money you want to make, and you just get to help people. I hand you a check, and I say, Mary, all you got to do to get this check the next two weeks is to go keep helping these people. Who are the people that come to mind right now? Describe. Um, children, um, people who are like impoverished. impoverished. They're like, they come from like poor backgrounds. Great. Those are like the two people. Great. All right, now, in your own words, that's awesome. Now, in your own words, don't worry about it sounding pretty. Just John and I here. Forget everybody else. Describe the problem, the source of the the, the poverty that you want to help fix. What's the problem as you see it? Um, As far as, uh, like, poverty, a lot of it sometimes is education, mindset, uh, just... um, like if people are from a family where there has been like substance abuse, things like that, that can be part of the poverty. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. And now the solution to that problem that you would want to be a part of in your I don't words. Know, it's such a big problem. No, I know it's a big problem, but stop. No, here, you know what you just did. You went from feeling to thinking on me and I get it. Yeah. And I know yeah. you're nervous and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but your heart's got the answer. It's right there. You're two thirds of the way through this formula in your I'm own words, like- feel the answer. How would you, what would be a solution that you could get excited about to that education problem or substance issues or what, what would, what would be something you could get excited about an organization or you see a solution in the world that's helping those people that you so beautifully described, say it. I feel like, Sometimes nonprofits, because that's really what I originally wanted to do when I left college was I wanted to work for a nonprofit. Okay. I'm not really sure. Like, I know there's nonprofits like, um, oh my God, the name is looking me right now where they help women dress for success, like something like that. Great. Okay. Like a dress for success type of program. Fantastic. So we started off this phone call with you going, I have no idea. I'm just wandering. And now we've gotten to some pretty good clarity. So here's the homework assignment for you. Okay. And I want to give John a chance to kind of speak to your emotions and what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Very simply, before you go to bed tonight, I want you to go on the internet in your area and look at all the nonprofits or government local institutions that are serving those kids. You know who those kids are. So who's serving them? All right, now we have a list. What jobs are available or posted within all of those organizations? And based on your education and vast experience, what seems to be a really good fit for you in that you have the skill and experience and it matches up with the kind of work you want to do. That's the homework assignment, just to see what's out there. I love it. So, oh, well, I have to because I need to find a job. I don't have a job <laughs> There you go. Now, so. <laughs> All right, so Ken gave you some incredible practical tips. I want to give you um, a 30,000-foot view. Is that cool? Okay. You sound like you are somebody I would call, and I'm just making this up. You're a finish liner. Your yes. life is about <laughs> goals and completing the goal, correct? Yes, and here's, I don't feel like I've completed anything. No, no, here's the problem. College. When you're a finish liner, when your life is a series of goals, you complete the goal. You run the marathon. You get the degree. Then you go back to and get a master's degree. Here's the worst part about completing a goal. You go with you. You cross that finish line. And so every time you get that new job, you show up and you don't like you. 
So let's shift from being a finish liner to back out. Ask yourself, who do I want to be? And as Ken asked, who do I want to help? What do I want to put into the world? And we're going to go make that happen. And the goals will follow along with your new identity. This is The Ramsey Show. We'll be right back. Blinds.com's 100% satisfaction guarantee means even if you mismanage or pick the wrong color, they'll remake your blinds for free. You get free samples, free shipping, and with the new promos they run every month, you'll save even more. Use promo code RAMSEY to get the best deal. Today's question comes from DJ in New York. I'm 31 years old and have cerebral palsy. Due to my disability, I've had many health and education challenges throughout my life. I want to work with other people with disabilities, such as autism, uh, such as autism as a registered behavior technician or a board-certified behavior analyst. But with my own challenges, I cannot attend school for higher education in this area. I'm trying to find other options or certifications like life coaching that would allow me to do this work, but I'm feeling defeated. How can I stop thinking that I'm not good enough or that I'm running out of time to accomplish my dreams. You two are my favorite Ramsey personalities. Oh, I, I, wow. You, did you set me up on that? Thanks, James. We're grateful you put that, that in That can't there. be real. Look, I'm, I literally just had my own Ron Burgundy moment. <laughs> uh, I was reading that real time. I would have skipped that. That sounds awful. Did you put that in there? Oh, it, it was actually, this is actually for you and George, but I'll take it. Yeah, all right. So it. That now, no, sorry, DJ. I, I don't know. Well, it would be great if I read this ahead of time. Um, a lot here, John. Yeah. Um, you've got some technical stuff, but th- there's more emotional there than there is technical. I'll let you go on emotional well, stuff because I, th- I, I think mindset helps. If this was a call to my show, I literally would say you need to talk to, I want you to spend some time with a mental health counselor gotcha. to get you to a place where I can help you yep. because that mindset of worth and value has to be right-sided mm-hmm. so that we can then go, that's you. Right. You are valuable. You have yes, a lot to give. Yes, yes, yes. Then I can help you come up with how you can give. But I feel a lot of this. I've had this call before. So what I do you what, say? What DJ's got to do is to balance what I love and what I want and what my purpose is. You and I were just talking about this off air. Right. This is who I want to help. Mm-hmm. I've been through this. I've got a lived experience, and this is who I want to help. And then this is the boundaries of the game. So whenever I think of this, I think of um, – I just lost his name. The guy, Golden State Warriors. The star? Yes. Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Loves the game of basketball. Yeah. I want to win basketball games. Yeah. And I'm 5'9", or however tall he is. Yeah. So he had to create a new way to get on that field, or get on the court. And yeah. so he became the best three-point shooter of all time. And yeah. he's, his practice is legendary, his work ethic and all that. So DJ has – there's a path towards helping – folks and it looks like going to college getting a graduate degree getting certified and now you've seen an influx over the last 20 years of life coaches folks who are getting trained on how to listen and how to encourage and how to ask good questions it becomes okay i want to do this this particular path 
may not be available for That's me. That's correct. I'm not 6'10". I'm not going to be a, a yep. center, um, the traditional power forward. So what can I do? What's another way to get on the field or to change the game altogether? And so it becomes a, the defeated comes from I see this path and I I don't feel like I can participate on this path. And you can flip that around and say, cool, I'm heading off and I'm creating a new path. And the way you do that, that's a great, great point. And I'll just jump right in there. Practically what we do is we stop focusing on the position and we focus on the people. There you go. So the positions here are a registered behavior technician or a board certified behavior analyst. Now, it's great to look into things like that and have a very specific target. But as John just so beautifully laid out, DJ, you've acknowledged there are limits where those aren't options. So while I understand how disappointing that is, we've got to guard against disappointment turning into discouragement right. and depression. It's a fact. There's a period at the end. Now what? Now, we grieve it. Yep, absolutely. But now let's go, okay, wait a second. And instead of focusing on those two positions, you focus on the people you want to help. And so you go, okay, where can I help those people that don't require a college degree or don't cause, you know, don't require limitations? But you also mentioned in here too, uh, it's something to do with your area. Um, so, you know, what would have to be true for me to change my geography to then be able to do it? So instead of focusing on the limitations, and I, as cheesy as this sounds in my head right now, you must focus on other possibilities. That's right. And so what if... Uh, here, here's what guides me when I'm sitting down writing a new book and I'm thinking about a program and I'm thinking about what's the thing that is driving me the most pain is where am I, what's the pain point that I feel viscerally and I'm going to write to that. Yeah. And then when we sit down at a table and you and I have done this, we write a speech, we write a talk and we run it by some people. If you don't laugh at the table, they're not going to laugh in front of 3000 yeah. people, right? If the That's room right. doesn't feel it. So what if DJ, you sat back and said, wait a minute, there's a whole swath of people who are frustrated mm -hmm. that the traditional life paths don't work. I'm going to serve people in that moment because I'm feeling that pain, right? I'm not going to imagine somebody else's situation. I'm going to start addressing what's going on in me. And you know how easy it is to start a YouTube channel now? How easy it is to get in your local area and start meeting with folks at coffee shops and you begin to hear from them. You and I test content in similar ways. So DJ, I want you to go back. Ken just said it. Go back to the people you want to help and put yourself in contact with the people you want to help. And by the way, running out of time, oh, uh, yeah. I've told this story a million times, but my mom got her first, <laughs> took her first community college class at 42 and took one the next semester, one class, one class the next semester, graduated with her PhD at 57 and got tenured as a professor at 62. And she's in her 70s and she just told me the other day, hey, I'm teaching at Oxford all next summer if you want to bring the kids over. As though it's like, down the street, right? So there's no such thing as too late. Get after it. Get after it. Get after it. Yeah, I, I you know, DJ, I would tell you that I uh, made a total life change at the age of 33, and really tiptoed into 34 to say I'm actually going to go after broadcasting. I had no experience, no degree, and it took me seven years to step into the dream job uh, to get into broadcasting. And I can't tell you how many people told me I was too old. They're like. Yeah. Dude, listen, you, you got some talent, but you... You missed the boat. You're 33, you're 34. Right. Nobody gets into broadcasting that age, and that's probably true. Um, but I was just stubborn enough or delusional enough, you pick the adjective to stay with it. But I can tell you on the other side, it's not too late. And that lie is a lie from the pit of hell, that my ship has sailed. And that's the voice of doubt. And 
And can I just tell you, John, I, I realized this recently. You and I get a lot of similar type questions, different topics, but the root of what is going on underneath of it is usually the same. And I found that fear and doubt are two of the biggest enemies to progress in any area of our life. But fear and doubt only show up for people who are trying or longing. Yeah. The people who sit on the bleachers of life, I find, don't have any fear and doubt. Nope. Because they're just sitting there watching everybody else with their elbow deep in a bag of popcorn, you know, they yelling at life, the refs. They get through life through complaining and blaming. Right. Yeah. But people who, who, who face fear and doubt, who experience it. They're in the arena. You're in it. Yeah. You're, you're in there, and that's a good sign. Yes. That you're longing to be or to do, um, and, and that you're striving and you're making some progress. So I just, I, I just wanted to throw that in there, John, because I, I feel that I, the the discouragement is so heavy. That means you care, and I would just want people to go. If you're facing doubt and you're facing fear, there's another narrative there. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes fear and doubt, John, protect us. Absolutely, it does. If if if, if, if I say you know to you, hey, John, I'm a, I'm gonna. I'm going to go dunk a basketball tonight at the uh, YMCA. And, and you go, really? And I start to have some doubt. That's <laughs> doubt protecting me from humiliation because I can't touch the net. Right, right, right. But if I doubt that I can't be a good dad or a good father, there you go. Well, now that's fear holding me back. Yeah, Excuse me, doubt right. holding me back. That's coming from an unhealthy place. You experience this with callers all the time. Absolutely. But I would, I would tell you, if you fear being a good dad, that means you, that means you care about it. Yeah. That means it matters. Right. Yeah, you're invested. That's and so exactly right. I want people to not to be so debilitated by fear and doubt because that's usually a good sign. Yeah, when there's fear and doubt, lean into it. There's yeah. only one way and it's through it, right? That's true. There's only one way and that's yeah. through it. And hey, that deal, guy, man. he really did write that. You that you two were he wrote that question specifically for you two cuz you're uh, literally right. his favorite person. Well, right, DJ, well, we DJ, love DJ, you, man. We love that. We don't get a lot of compliments. James never tells us anything no, positive. James so, is usually uh, just beating us down and beating we'll us down. We'll take the affirmation, All DJ. Day long. Thanks, and I paid DJ. the guy 20 bucks, but he still wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back on the Ramsey show. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm John Deloney, joined here by Ken Coleman. And we've got a beautiful couple on the debt-free stage. Yes. Sam and Nikki on the Ramsey Solution debt-free stage. How are you? We are doing well. Better doing than all right? we deserve. Better oh, than but, I deserve. <laughs> well oh, done. He has voices as well. That's exciting. All right, where are, you, where, where are y'all visiting us from? Southern California. So, Cal, how much did you pay off? $127,000 and some change. $127,000. And you had to do it while paying Southern California taxes, man. Congratulations. It was painful. Thank you. Yes. How long did it take? Uh, Four years. Four and a half years. Four and a half years. And what's your range of income during this time? It started in the low 30s and it ended at about 140000 What? Huh? Excellent. What do you do for a living? Uh, three jobs. Day job in marketing, night job as an adjunct professor of English at the Master's University, and another night job as a staff writer for the Babylon Bee. Oh, 
what? Wait a second. All right, I got to fan out a little bit. <laughs> so the Babylon Bee, for for maybe folks who don't know, you give us the description of Babylon Bee. Christian news satire. News satire is a subset of satire. Yeah. Christian news satire is what it sounds like. All right, so John, this is great because we have a, a Babylon Bee article here. I've got to read just a little excerpt because of the work you all do. It's so funny. The headline was Biden calls Dave Ramsey's radio show for advice on paying off thirty-one trillion. <laughs> and this was yours, right? <laughs> Correct. This all is, right. and I'm going to brag on you really quick. Uh, so for our listener viewer, hang with us. This is this is uh, Sam's work here. Okay, this is from this satirical or listen to me satirical article. Here we go. At first, the call had proceeded according to Ramsey's normal rhythm of uncovering, asking probing questions, followed by targeted recommendations for reaching financial freedom. Things derailed, however, when the caller elaborated on what had initially been positioned as a small deficit. Folks, the caller is Joe Biden. Uh, owning up to spending $6 trillion per year while making only $4 trillion per year, causing Ramsey to explode. You spent $2 trillion more than you make? You got a freaking credit card from China? What the heck is wrong with you? The caller, Joe Biden, had tried to interject excuses, blaming MAGA Republicans in deer-wearing Kevlar vests and corn pop. But Ramsey was having none of it. He bellowed into his headset, you need to buy a lot of envelopes for these trillions because you have been living dumb, D-U-M-B dumb. Dude, you nailed our boss, man. So Thanks. there it is. Well, uh, well done. We had to do a lot of hours to catch the voice. Yes. You got it. I got to tell you. And uh, boy, wouldn't that be a fun call if oh, that ever dude. happened in real life. So. Okay, hey, what happened? How'd you, get, how'd you get involved with this weird gang that we run here? We, you, what happened? We remember, like it, we remember it like it was yesterday. We were Dave Ramsey adjacent for a year. And then driving one day, we had made a habit of listening to the podcast. He started yelling at us. Uh, he started <laughs> ranting and raving He's, about stopping the Dave Ramsey-ish method. Ah. He said, go full Dave ramsey or do nothing, we realized we had been piddling along and only half doing it. We got serious within the week. Downloaded it took the 10 wow. minutes of app. shouting, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Tim is, so um, what was going on in your lives that you thought, we got to get out of debt here? We just wanted to honor the Lord with our resources. Huh. It, we, weren't, we weren't being good stewards of our money. Hmm. We It was going in and out faster than we thought it was and so uh, we really wanted to honor the Lord and after Dave's Ramsey Dave's shouting at us <laughs> it just really turned a corner what kind of debt was it so, uh, student debt about 60 grand from my student debt from a master's degree about 60 grand from her for her undergrad okay wow yeah, all student debt what was the, I mean, obviously the multiple jobs, okay, that was a lot of effort. Give us some of the maybe extreme choices or big time sacrifices. Did you actually rice and bean it? I mean, what, what did that look like for you guys to make this kind of a dent in, in four and a half years? Well, by God's grace, he's given us um, four kids in five years. Wow. And Whoa. at one point we were living in an apartment, a one bedroom apartment with three kids in the <laughs> closet. Um, I, and I worked from home. I'd have to keep them at bay during my Zoom calls. Yeah, so we had three toddlers in a closet in our one-bedroom apartment. On behalf of the mental wow. health practitioners of America, we thank you. Because <laughs> wow. it's going to be incredible. Redefining I, anxiety. 20, 20 years from now. Yeah, oh, I think no. you guys should write a book on redefining patience. <laughs> exactly. I don't even know how you did that. She is a stay-at-home mom, and she's the world's best. Couldn't have done it without her. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah. wow. So what was your... I think back to those moments, and now you look back, and you're experiencing financial freedom. You'll you'll look back and think, man, we did it, we did it, we did it. 
Um, what was the hardest part of this? It's got to be some dark moments. You got three people. Like this isn't what you drew up in your head. This isn't why you went to grad school. This isn't what you dreamt for your four kids. Take us back to the darker moments. Um, it had to do with watching the interest payments rack up uh-huh. and see that they weren't going anywhere. That was one impetus. Yeah, definitely. And I, we knew that we wanted to give our kids a room. I think that was a fire under our, us. Uh, we wanted to make sure that they grew up with a backyard, they, mm. that we just got out of there as fast as we could, even though we loved it and we were so grateful for mm. our cozy few years together real close. But um, yeah, it was definitely a sacrifice. Where does this, y'all have a, a very unique disposition. Y- y'all have chosen to look at the world as a series of challenges, yeah, that we're going to overcome, and it stinks, but that's part of life, and we're going to make our Where does that disposition come from? That's something that the world is lacking in a profound measure. Romans chapter 8, uh, all creation is groaning together for redemption. We, uh-huh. we believe we live in a fallen world, which really is a, a negative universe with a lot of friction that you've got to be prepared for. Yeah. Um, the Word of God pre- prepares you for it if you live by it faithfully. Yeah. Suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, uh, endurance and endurance, hope. Hmm. And so, so every time a challenge gets laid in front of you, you, you're, you instantly go to, there's going to be a light at the end of this. Let's go do it. The and gospel frees us from this continuous negative ebb and flow and descent into tragedy. You know, we have hope now because of Jesus. We consider it all joy when we fall into various trials because we know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness has its work in us and we can be perfect and complete lacking in nothing on the other end wow i'm ready to take an offering right now uh, <laughs> if we could get uh, james to play on the keyboard i could take an offering. shortly after um, <laughs> fantastic after william wallace yells freedom we're gonna yeah, yeah that's have an incredible call. so that's incredible, uh, working as a couple obviously we're seeing tremendous teamwork that we've already heard a little bit about uh, what would you say to other couples uh, not just couples but people that are on this journey whether they're in the beginning of the journey they're midway through what is the key to finishing this journey get on the same page about it and then talk to other people about it so they are built-in accountability. Um, My parents were actually able to help us a little bit during the process. Her parents were supportive. We had a lot of cheerleaders, but it all started with making sure we were both fully aligned with going full Dave Ramsey, not Dave Ramsey-ish. What was it like um, making $140,000 and not having the lifestyle to show for it. Do people give you a hard time about it? Did y'all have to deal with your fair share of in Southern California of, oh, honey, right? Did y'all have to deal with that? You know what? It's I feel like it's feast or famine with the real estate in Southern California. So everyone kind of lives, if we're below, making below, you know, a certain amount of money, everyone lives in an apartment. And so it was just normal for us. But um, we, we budget a lot. So wow. we still try, now that we're debt free, we really try to have fun with the kids and, you know, take trips to out of state and do road trips. So we talk a lot about peace and, and Dave and I, several of us have talked about, I don't even know if we have a picture of peace anymore. That's just become, it's become a mythological word. What is the peace you're experiencing? Be very specific. You just mentioned, we get to go play with the kids. What are some other things, some tangible pictures of peace that have emerged in your home since you've become debt-free? We've got a finish line that we've now passed, which has caused us to reevaluate our next finish line. And we didn't kind of start scrambling around blindly. We went back to the word. We went back to the Bible. Our finish line now is stewardship, ongoing stewardship for the purpose of investing and giving and setting our children up for success. Hmm. So peace looks like y'all get to decide what happens next in your life, right? Yep. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, Sam and Nikki from Southern California, 
Paid off $127,000 in four and a half years, making $30,000 to $140,000, and you're officially debt-free. Count them down. Let's hear your debt-free scream. Three, two, one. We're We're debt-free! Very nice. Awesome. Yeah. You don't see that attitude very often. Well, that's an inspirational attitude, you two. I love it. I love it. I love it. Sam and Nikki can do it. You can too, America. Eight two five five two two five. This is the Ramsey Show. Let's go out to Adrian in Monterey, California. What's up, Adrian? Hey, um, how you guys doing? Excellent, excellent. How are you? I'm amazing. I'm really excited to be on the show. Thank you so much. You got it. What's up? Okay, so here's my question. Um, I'm currently in baby step one. I've got all my my uh, totals ordered out and everything on how much. I have like twenty six hundred dollars in credit cards. I have. I'm currently leasing a car. That's the biggest thing I need to figure out what to do with. Um, I leased it a few months back. Um, a little bit negative in it, but the buyout is eighteen thousand. I currently have fourteen thousand left on it, and I don't know if I should pay it down to where I can just sell it back to them and have and you know save up a little bit more money to go buy a car for cash, or if I should just pay this down and uh, maybe potentially buy it out at the end with cash and just keep this, you know, cause obviously it's a newer car. Um, just, there's a few ways I can go about it. I'm not sure exactly what I should do. What's the most uh, economical for me. Well, I mean, just have you run the numbers on it? What is more economical for you? Well, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how much it's worth yet. Cause I haven't gone and actually got it appraised again. Last time I did, it was worth about 26, I think, but it might be lower now because you know, the prices and everything are fluctuating. So oh, hold on. I, here's what I would do. I would go ask for the payoff amount. And mm-hmm. sometimes you can just go online and click a button for what's the, what's the buyout of, of this lease or, or it's in your contract. What's the buyout of this lease. And then I would get on Kelly blue book and find out what that car is going for in the private market. And if okay. you can sell it, sell it and pay it off. If you can, uh, if you look and say, I want to keep keep this car, so I'm going to take out a loan. I, I actually would take out a loan of some difference in, well, I don't know what I well, would do. Man. Well, let me go to one, of the, do. Let me go to one of the options that you laid out. I think it was the first one. Um, you said you could pay it down and then sell it back to them. What would the, what, Give me the numbers behind that transaction. I think it would possibly, I don't know exactly because I have to know uh, how much I, how much it's worth exactly to them, but I am assuming it's going to be around, maybe I'm estimating 6,000 probably last time I checked. And then I would need to, you know, save up an extra 2000 to buy a car for cash. So they would 6,000 is what they, they would buy it from me for. No, no, no. I mean the difference between oh, the um, difference. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, well, yeah. so here's the challenge, John, and I can't really give you clear advice because you don't know the value of the car. But I think all the options you listed, 
uh, you just got to go with the one that's best for you. You know, so if paying it down, let's say you pay it down, you get after it for two or three months, and that allows you to get to a good position, a positive position, and sell it back to them, great. Or if it's a better financial play to sell it private seller, then do that. Or if you go to a credit union and get a $5,000 loan and yep. pay the $3,000 difference and go take a $2,000, that $2,000 is left and go buy yourself a hunk of junk, you've just improved your net debt um, ratio significantly, okay? And okay. we're not in the business to tell people to get loans, but if it gets you out of a lease and it takes your total debt commitment way down, then yeah. um, go make that move. Here's what I think. I think you leased that car because you couldn't afford it, but you wanted it in your driveway and leasing it allowed you to get that car with low payments. Um, I think you still love that car. Is that right? I really don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, I, I would be, if it gets me out of debt, I'd be happy to part ways with it. I, I like it. It is nice. Um, you know, it's a, it's a 2022 Altima. It's, it's a nice car, but at the end of the day, I know I can live without it. Okay. So um, I mean, it's you're right. Yeah. It's nice, and you're broke. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Let's choose safety. Let's solve for freedom over solve for shiny depreciating asset in the driveway. Okay. Does that sound good? I'm gonna. Um, that sounds great. I'm gonna figure out a way to get out of it, um, and then go get me a car for cash, and then get on baby step three once as soon as I'm done with this. There you go, man. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. I mean, nobody loves an Altima. <laughs> I mean, some people do. Really? Yeah. Love? It's a strong word, John. It is. Love? My wife still talks so fondly of her Corolla, like with all of her heart. Yeah, it's fond. I don't know if it's love. No, it's love. It's I don't love. think so. I think you can love. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to bang on our the friends Altimus. over at Nissan. But <laughs> all right, let's go to Angelina. Just in keeping it real here. London, England. What's up, Angelina? Hello. Hi. Yes, Angelina. Yes, so Michael, really nice to meet you guys. I listen to you every morning. Oh, That's lovely. Good. That's wonderful. Hey, Angelina, talk directly into your really phone. Kind of changed my life. Um, can, you, can you hear me? Uh, uh, yeah, see if you can move the phone uh, a little bit. Um, is that any better? A little no. bit better there. A little bit better. Really? Yeah, a little uh, bit. Okay. All right, go for it. What's up? Yes. So, I'm working in the city. I've been there for 16 years. I love, I enjoy my job. I work in HR, human resources. They are offering an opportunity for to all staff to, to voluntarily resign. Mm -hmm. And to me, that would work out at about £40,000 lump sum. Uh, that would be like 10 years expenses for me. Um, just that front, and I'm just wondering if this is a wise decision to take up that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I'm on baby step two, nearly at the end, like within a couple of months I'll be there, um, and I really would like a deposit for a home and my emergency funds, and I think this would help a lot. Do you feel confident so that... Your do you feel confident, Angelina, that you would be able to step into... Uh, other employment because I'm presuming you still need to work and make an income, correct? Yes. I'm a single mom. I've been a single mom for about um, three, four years now. And so, yeah, I do need to, to, to get into a role quite quickly. Um, um, I'm confident I could get a role because there's a lot of HR opportunities out there that I'm seeing all the time. Um, and I've been thinking about moving for a while. 
So, so yeah, I could find another kid. So to folks listening, um, I know there's a um, um, little bit of static on the line. Um, Angelina, let me recap this. Um, you work at, at a university, and they're offering out what's essentially an early buyout. Um, if you retire, they'll yeah. pay you a large sum of money to leave, um, and they're going to put in your account, and you're going to high-five them, but you're going to not have a job. And so this large yeah. sum of money looks very attractive to you. You're in baby step two. You're tired of working here. You're a single mom for three or four years. You're ready to move. You're thinking about other things. Um, here's what I want you to do is I want you to get somebody with wisdom that you trust because here's what I'm hearing in your yeah. in your heart. And by the way, my mom just went through this. Um, every university in the world that I know of is having some sort of buyout opportunity for folks because they've got too many staff, too many mm-hmm. faculty. Um, yes. You are, it, this is an emotional moment. And there is, this yeah. is heavily a math problem. Okay. Yeah. Can you afford to make this move? It looks so attractive. It will pay off your baby step two. It'll help you get an emergency fund. It might even help you move. And then what? Right. So I want you to get somebody that you trust to sit with you and to go through the numbers. If you have um, a financial advisor there in London that you trust, or you have a friend who will look at the numbers with you impassionately, because if you call us and said, hey, I'm ready to change out of this job. I want to take get a new job. Ken would walk you through, are you ready to jump and quit and go do something else? Except that, This could be a great launching pad into something else. But man, Ken, you're the one who taught me. Don't jump off the dock until there's another boat there to get onto. Yeah, I, I, uh, Angelina, I don't want you to take this and then then try to find something. Uh, I would try to match start up right the, now. Yeah, yeah, I would start today, and we want to match the timing of it. Are they giving you a timeline? If you were to accept their offer, uh, would there be a date by which they said, "Okay, now this is in effect"? Yes, so that would be July. The, the last date of work would be oh, in July. July of 2023. Okay, great. So in this case, uh, yeah, I think you got enough time to find a job, but I'd start today like it was next week yes, that you had to have yeah, the job. Yeah. We don't want to wait until June, and not to say that you were planning to do that. So, yeah, in this case, you were planning to leave anyway, wanted to leave, I'd do it, but I'd get that other job lined up well in advance of July. I love it. Hey, it's another hour in the books on The Ramsey Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey folks, Ken Coleman here. Did you know The Ramsey Show is one of the most popular podcasts in the world? Get your daily dose of advice on life and money. Check out all of our shows from The Ramsey Network wherever you listen to podcasts. 